Well, friends, today on Walk in Truth, we start a new study in the exciting book of Revelation. And the word revelation has the heart of the meaning. It's to reveal or unveil. And today, as we introduce the book, we're going to look at four different views of revelation. Talk about what people have believed over the ages and why. It's an in-depth look and an introduction to the book that I think you'll find exciting and intriguing. So put on your thinking cap and get ready to listen to an opening in the book of Revelation today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. So the book of Revelation is a book that literally means unveiling to reveal. So you can see just in the name of the book, Revelation, it has the idea of revealing or unveiling. So that's the book. The book in the bath, in the, uh, not the Catholic, but the Catholic Bible <laughs> is called the Apocalypse. This is what the Greek word means. Revelation means apocalypse. The, early man, the earliest manuscripts that we have, uh, extant manuscripts that we have in our possession today, literally call it the heading, the Apocalypse of John. So this falls into the genre of apocalyptic literature. It applies broadly to a group of writings that flourished between 200 B.C. and 100 A.D. Uh, that would be at least a good portion of what's called the intertestamental period. And for a Jewish person in the first century to read apocalyptic literature was not unusual. It's unusual to us in this culture in the West to see apocalyptic literature, but it wasn't to a first century Jewish person. So generally, uh, this, this book falls into that genre of apocalyptic literature, but that is not the only genre of the book of Revelation, and I'll explain as we get there in a moment. Uh, the apocalypse or apocalyptic literature normally purports the following. It is a divine disclosure, usually through a celestial intermediary, to some prominent figure in the past in which God promises to intervene in human history to bring times of trouble to an end and destroy all wickedness or all unrighteousness. So apocalyptic literature is always what's called eschatological. When you hear of eschatology, if you've uh, heard radio programs or Bible answer shows, eschatology is the study of the last things or the last days. The book of Revelation is a book that you quickly think about when you think about uh, this particular area of study, eschatology, the study of the last thing. So apocalyptic literature is always eschatological. It's not a substitute for prophecy, though. There's a little difference between uh, apocalyptic literature and prophecy, and we'll talk about that in a second. One writer said uh, apocalyptic literature is prophecy in new idiom. One of the goals of the writing is to explain why the righteous suffer and what God's going to do about it, basically, why the kingdom may be delayed. In the setting of the book of Revelation, and there's a little debate on the dating of the book, the Christians are suffering and they're wondering about the return of Christ. They're wondering if they're going to see that return or be able to make sense of their suffering. The debate of the dating of the book is which emperor is ruling at that time. 
Some people, some scholars have dated the book as early as the reign of Claudius, which is about 41 to 54 AD. Most scholars today do not hold that date. There's a late date in the uh, the emperor life of Trajan, and scholars don't hold that date either. So the debate has really fallen into two camps primarily now. One is the reign of Nero. Nero was known as the beast, so some people tie his name and numeric value to the number 666, and we'll talk about that as we go on. But the majority of scholarship has placed the book of Revelation in the reign of the emperor Domitian. Domitian reigned from 81 to 96 AD. So if you read uh, study Bibles and you read the headings and you read the little summary of the book of Revelation, typically you will see the following. The author is John, John the Apostle, and the date of authorship typically is placed around 95 AD. That's the close of the first century. John is the last surviving apostle. Some of you have heard stories that they tried to boil him in oil and he didn't die. And uh, he was the last surviving apostle. A good portion of the apostles died before the fall of Jerusalem, which is 70 AD. John lived into the 90s AD. And at some point he was banished to what's called a penal island. That is an island where you were penalized or penalized for something you did wrong. In this case, he was banished to the Isle of Patmos, we'll see in verse 9 of chapter 1, as some sort of punishment. People debate what the nature of this island was. Some people say it was an ancient Alcatraz. Some people say it wasn't that bad. Um, I'll leave that to you for a little bit of further study. But this is what's going on. Uh, People say that in this book, scholars say there's seven acts, or it's a seven-act drama, seven kind of portions that get revealed, revealing the drama of history or of God's story. This book will unfold what is called the Day of the Lord. There is a debate as to when the Day of the Lord starts. I'll answer those questions when we get to chapter 6. But suffice it to say right now, uh, you will see trumpets and bowls in this book as we unfold Revelation chapter 6 through 19. And as we do, we will see the judgment of Almighty God. We will see the rapture of the church. We will see the resurrection. There's so many things that are encapsulated in this book. As I mentioned to you the dating of the book and mentioned to you that the preponderance of external evidence lands it in the reign of Domitian, let me just pause for a second to tell you the importance of this. There's a movement afoot today for a view called preterism. How many of you have heard of preterism? Okay, preterism simply means past. And so there are people who look at the book of Revelation and they say they believe that the book of Revelation is all about the fall of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. So it's extremely important to them, people in this camp, that the date of the book precedes A.D. 70. Because if the date of the book of Revelation is after A.D. 70, preterism goes kaput. It blows up. It can't be true. So people like R.C. Sproul would be one example. Hank Hanegraaff, another, who hold to some form of preterism, whether it's full preterism or partial preterism. I'm sorry for all the big words. But it just simply means they believe that the book was was fulfilled in the historical past, namely the first century. And everything that they believe hinges on a pre-AD 70 date. 
For us, who I think most of us in this room would probably tend towards being futurists, that is, we believe there's a future fulfillment of the book of Revelation, the date to us doesn't matter. It could be dated A.D. 50. It could be dated A.D. 95. It wouldn't matter to our view, but it's extremely important to the preterist. You might ask, well, what's the external evidence, Pastor Michael, for a later date or the, the reign of Domitian being the correct date? Well, Irenaeus is the main source. Irenaeus, who's later quoted by Eusebius, Clement of Alexandria, and Origen. These are all pretty early church fathers. Uh, hold that John wrote the book in the reign of Domitian. There's not a lot of external evidence for the earlier date of the reign of Nero. The best they say is that there's a temple that's there and it gets measured. And, and the scholars say who hold this view that that's a temple that exists so that uh, Jerusalem has not been destroyed because the temple's standing and John's asked to measure it. But I don't think that's the temple of Jerusalem. I think that is either a future temple or a symbolic temple, but it's certainly not the temple that stood at the time. Uh, others who, who are, come along later, like Victorinus, Eusebius, and even Jerome, all hold that John wrote in the reign of Domitian. So that's a little bit about just kind of the dating. There's a little bit of a a debate about the authorship of the book of Revelation, even though John identifies himself at least four different times. Some people say that the book was written by John the Elder. There's a few references to a John the Elder or John uh, the Bishop. And uh, I think you would just, just to save you a bunch of time and a bunch of reading, because you could read 50 different commentaries on the book of Revelation, uh, I think most of the majority of conservative scholars hold that John the Apostle wrote the book of Revelation. You say, well, why do people even bring up John the Elder? Because there is a difference in the quality of Greek from the Gospel of John. Remember, John didn't just author Revelation. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and Revelation. So there's quite a difference between the Greek value, the original language of Greek in Revelation, as opposed to, for example, the Gospel of John. Just really quick. In the Gospel of John, they say it's a very polished Greek They say in Revelation, it's not so polished. It's maybe some of the worst Greek that's in the New Testament. Why the difference? Well, New Testament writers often wrote with what's called an amunesis. That is someone like a secretary. So while there are New Testament authors that gave the Uh, the book, they were the medium through which the book was given, they didn't always pen the book. So they often had something like a secretary. And if that secretary is more polished in the Greek, then they were able to communicate the language in a more polished fashion. Uh, Those who read Greek and Hebrew say that some of the most polished Greek that we have in the New Testament comes from the pen of Luke. And, uh, of course, you know, the, the uh, Gospel of John is up there as well. But this is why uh, some question the authorship of John. But I'm just going to tell you, if my conclusion is that John the Apostle has written this book. So the first verse of Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, starts off this way. It says, the Revelation. There's your name <laughs> of the book. And so the name comes from the very first portion of the very first Uh, verse of the book. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, the word revelation is apocalypsis. If you want it spelled, it's A-P-O-K-A-L-U-P-S-I-S, apocalypsis. It's where we get the English word apocalypse, 
And the word literally means a disclosure, an unveiling, a uncovering, an appearing, a pulling back of the curtain, if you will. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to get the Revelation DVD series by Pastor Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ and how he speaks to his church in words of condemnation and correction. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and many other intriguing truths that expose God's plan for planet Earth, the unbelieving world, and his church. Join Michael Lance in a DVD series of this dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk-In Truth store today to order your copy of the DVD teaching The Mark of the Beast, The Seven Seals, and The New Heaven and New Earth. All available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Click on store. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. I think you would just, just to save you a bunch of time and a bunch of reading, because you could read 50 different commentaries on the book of Revelation, uh, I think most of the majority of conservative scholars hold that John the Apostle wrote the book of Revelation. You say, well, why do people even bring up John the Elder? Because there is a difference in the quality of Greek from the Gospel of John. Remember, John didn't just author Revelation. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and Revelation. So there's quite a difference between the Greek value, the original language of Greek in Revelation, as opposed to, for example, the Gospel of John. Just really quick. In the Gospel of John, they say it's a very polished Greek They say in Revelation, it's not so polished. It's maybe some of the worst Greek that's in the New Testament. Why the difference? Well, New Testament writers often wrote with what's called an amunesis. That is someone like a secretary. So while there are New Testament authors that gave the the book, they were the medium through which the book was given, they didn't always pen the book. So they often had something like a secretary. And if that secretary is more polished in the Greek, then they were able to communicate the language in a more polished fashion. Uh, Those who read Greek and Hebrew say that some of the most polished Greek that we have in the New Testament comes from the pen of Luke. And, uh, of course, you know, the the, uh, uh, Gospel of John is up there as well. But this is why uh, some question the authorship of John. But I'm just going to tell you, my conclusion is that John the Apostle has written this book. So the first verse of Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, starts off this way. It says, the Revelation. There's your name (laughs) of the book. And so the name comes from the very first portion of the very first 
uh, verse of the book. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, the word revelation is apocalypsis. If you want it spelled, it's A-P-O-K-A-L-U-P-S-I-S, apocalypsis. It's where we get the English word apocalypse, and the word literally means a disclosure, an unveiling, a uncovering, an appearing, a pulling back of the curtain, if you will. That's the name, to reveal, as I said at the outset, the book of Revelation is the apocalypse, the unveiling. It literally means to remove the cover or to remove the veil. There are several layers of genre as we do an introduction to the book that you need to know about. Number one, in the very first verse of the book, it's apocalyptic. And I mentioned to you the nature of that type of genre or literature. Second, you'll notice that the book is prophetic. Look at verse three. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the what? Prophecy. The book is prophetic. It's a revealing from or of Jesus Christ. We'll get to that in a second. Apocalyptic. It is prophetic. Verse 3. It is a prophecy. So there's a distinction between the two. And it is also epistolary. You say, what is that, Pastor Michael? Epistolary is just a big word to say it's also an epistle. Um, most of the New Testament letters, 27 letters or books in the New Testament, are addressed to a church or an individual. You'll have, for example, the book of Acts written to Theophilus, the book of Luke written to Theophilus, the book of Galatians written to the church at Galatia or Colossae, Colossians to Colossae. You'll have letters written from Paul to Timothy or Titus. There's a very few letters in the New Testament that are not addressed to an individual or a church. And so in this sense, this is also an epistle. Look at verse 4. John writes to the seven churches that are in Asia. So this makes it an epistle. It is addressed as a letter to these particular churches. Here is a cluster of churches in Asia. Not Asia as we know it today, but what's called proconsular Asia, which is Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. So Asia was a name given by the Roman Empire when they dominated that landmass, and so they called it Asia Minor. So it is apocalyptic, prophetic, and epistolary. All right? You didn't think that you could hear that many crazy words in one sentence, did you? But anyway, there it is. All right? So this is the different style. The apocalyptic style is uh, something that you see sometimes with uh, phenomenon in the sky, dragons, um, you have angelic messengers. It's not just uh, isolated to apocalyptic literature, but this seems to be what's typical of it. In Revelation 1, verse 1, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Some people say it's both a revelation of Jesus Christ and a revelation from Jesus Christ. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ in the sense that it has high Christology. What does that mean? It means that your view of Christ will be elevated as you read this book. But this book is not just about a view of Christ. This book is largely about an unveiling of the future, or what many of us believe is largely futuristic. So it is an unveiling of Jesus Christ, but it's also an unveiling of what's going to happen in the future. So it's a, some scholars say it's a revelation mediated by Jesus Christ. In other words, it comes from him to his people so that we might know and understand what the future holds. 
You might ask, well, what's the purpose of the book? Why would Jesus Christ give this revelation? What's his purpose? I think two things, one for peace and two for preparation, just simply peace and preparation. Number one, the church that's addressed in the book of Revelation is a persecuted church, and they need to know that God is still on the throne. How many of you need to know that? You watch a news report, you see threats of war, you see people threatening threatening nuclear devices, you see persecution in the Middle East, and you start to wonder, God, are you still on the throne? God, are you there? What's going on? So God addresses his people in this book to give us peace. Secondly, it is for preparation. There will be a generation that experiences these phenomena in some way, and uh, they're not to be fearful, rather they're to be trusting in God. It is to show, look at verse 1, God gave him that revelation, verse 1, to show his bondservant. See the word bondservants there? You'll see it many times in the New Testament. Bondservants is doulos in Greek, and it's eved in Hebrew. A bondservant in Exodus 21 was a person literally attached to the house. A bondservant made a decision at the end of a seven-year period of service to decide that he didn't want to leave his master or his household. So he would go and do a ceremony at a door and at a threshold of a home is where they would do covenants. And he would stand at the threshold and put his ear against the door and they would take an awl and they would put the awl through his ear boring a hole in the ear. The significance was twofold. One, my ear will always be open to my master. Whatever he asked me to do, I will do. I'm his voluntary doulos or eved. Two, it meant I will always be attached to his house. I'm not going anywhere. My ear will be open and I'll always be attached to my master's house. Are you with me? So the bond servants of Jesus Christ are addressed here and they are told that they're being given this revelation to encourage them. Notice it is to his bondservants, and it is addressing those who are servants of God. Now, before we move on to um, a controversy, just a little bit more about the book. I would say to you, don't be scared of this book, because I think this book, you'll see in a moment, has a blessing attached to it, and I think you'll be blessed. And I want to encourage you, don't just come on the opening night of the study. Try to come, you know, throughout the study if you can, because you'll benefit from it. Chapter 1 will remind us of Jesus' nature and power. Chapters 2 and 3 will address the seven churches we just talked about. Chapters 4 and 5 will get a glimpse into a heavenly scene and heavenly worship. In fact, some uh, pastors and scholars have said the book of Revelation is our New Testament songbook. We'll actually hear some songs that are sung in heaven, just like we have a book of psalms and we learn about singing from the life of Israel and their feasts and festivals. In the book of Revelation, we will hear some songs that are sung in heaven. So we'll learn some things about worship. In chapter 6 through 18, we're going to see God's judgment. We're going to see the harlot. We're going to see the bride, some imagery that's coming. We're going to see Jesus come again in chapter 19. And in chapter 20, we'll see a judgment of the living and the dead. In 21 and 22, we'll see new heavens and a new earth, a new Jerusalem, the tree of life. So, so much fantastic stuff coming in the coming weeks and months. This is a message to the church not to lose heart. Tonight, it's a message to you. Don't lose heart. God is still on his throne. The natural question when you study a book like Revelation is to ask the question, when? (laughs) Right? Isn't that the big $64,000 question? When will these things take place? 
All right, I'm going to give you four views of the book of Revelation. I don't know if you're interested, but I think it's important that you know there are four different approaches to interpretation of the book of Revelation. Number one is the preterist view. The preterist view is called contemporary historical. If you're taking notes, preterist is number one, the approach to interpretation of the book of Revelation. It's called the contemporary historical view. As I mentioned, there are partial preterists and full preterists, but just to the point, preterists hold that the book of Revelation was at least largely fulfilled at the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. However, some preterists believe the book of Revelation also could depict the fall of Rome in A.D. 476. So that's just kind of an interesting secondary plank, I guess, and that's their view. Well, you may have many questions about the book of Revelation, and if so, join the club. It's a difficult book, but it's such an intriguing book, and there are so many incredible connections, and there's more to come as we dive into this incredible book, The Unveiling, The Revelation. Now, I'd like to encourage you to visit our website because we have some DVDs at our store that you might be interested in. You can kind of get ahead of the game in the book of Revelation. We have one on the seven seals, for example, another describing the new heaven and the new earth, and even a teaching about the mark of the beast. So you can check that out. You can purchase one of these DVDs and you can contribute to the mission of Walk in Truth when you click on the store at walkintruth.com. You can check out the products there. Click on store at walkintruth.com. Now come back tomorrow because there's more to go on getting into the book of Revelation and making sure the book is into us as well. Until tomorrow, may God richly bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.